This is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Tuesday, March 19th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts, reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences, our ideas, especially now that it seems that we'll be possibly filming soon. Email us your stories. Let us know if you're working, or even better yet, record a one- to two-minute voice memo. You can do it right on your smartphone. And send it to us at ProducersHappyHour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, ProducersHappyHour.com. And please share this show with your friends, your colleagues, your family, your neighbors, your uh, roommates. We want these stories to be heard. Uh, they're human stories, and we're all human. Exactly. So today, Christian, we're chatting with Shad Melvin. He is a first assistant director based in New York City. Mm-hmm. He's non-union, and he also is from Kentucky. So somewhere along the line, we're cousins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He has a lot of insight for us because, believe it or not, there's a ton of non-union work and community out there. And a lot of those people, because they don't have the structure of, you know, the IATSE telling them what they should and shouldn't do, you know, we all talk just like a union would talk and discuss procedures as well. Mm -hmm. So he's mm -hmm. going to let us know what he's up to. Nice. So what's going on in your world? Well, you sent me over this little thing this morning mm -hmm. from Eric Garcetti about what he's doing to try to uh, move along, opening up small pockets of filming in L.A. Yes. And I think what we've all been craving is some sort of, if not a definitive answer, at least some sort of guidance of when an answer is going to happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I feel like what you sent me begins that process. I shared it, it with an EP that I know. And he was like, I got three calls yesterday, just people wondering where and when and how can we film. And yeah. for... for <laughs> We don't know where it's safe or where will permit or won't permit. I mean, it's a very long process to find out and exactly what you're allowed to do and what your talent yeah. pool is if it's inside this country. So this actually gives people somewhat of a beginning of an answer. I'm not saying that it's the answer, but I'm game saying plan is starting to be formed. So yeah. it's a it's an article in abc7.com. The title you can Google it is Eric Garcetti, Los Angeles Mayor, Safer at Home Order. I'll put it in the show Tutti notes. But uh, yeah, he basically sounded an optimistic note for thousands of out-of-work members of the movie and TV industry who are running out of any unemployment benefits. He says that they're basically announcing a new plan in the coming weeks. We're going to find those safe rules, Garcetti said. I hope we can convince the state to allow that as one of the safe activities that can be done with skeletal crews to start. And secondly, I'm hoping that the state will offer for the next two to three years a tax credit to anyone that will film here so we can get the industry back on its feet and bring that production back home so it's a part of our recovery which is amazing because we've amazing. not had a real tax benefit plan for the film industry in quite a while you know there's little ones but obviously georgia and new orleans have been kicking our asses on, on that front mm -hmm. for a while now mm -hmm. so it's time to do it I think Now's the is. time to freaking do it, California. I know. Now is the time to do it. And because I do know that some TV and again, grapevine stuff, everyone. So yeah. take it with a grain of salt, <laughs> like Lifetime, you know, 
those types of uh, shows or television or movies have already moved to places like Iowa who are wide open for filming. And I know New York already shows and movies are planning on, you know, seeing what their options are and not committing mm -hmm. to coming back because I've spoken to vendors here. So what you're doing or what Garcetti's doing feels like in addition to having a plan to open up, it also is planning for the future for shows not to want to leave. Yeah, the, <laughs> the two to three year portion of that plan is important because then that means a TV series can come, right? And, and they stay. And establish roots and stay, exactly. The other thing that Newsom did is he signed, this was a little bit old news last week sometime, an executive order directing changes to the processing of workers' compensation in California with regards to COVID-19. So basically, this order creates a presumption of diagnosed cases of COVID-19 are covered under workers' comp. I saw that they, too. Yeah, they have to be diagnosed within 14 days of performing the work outside of their home at their employer's discretion. So this was an email I got from Cast and Crew, their apparel company that I sometimes have used, stating that some of these cases will be covered. I love it. There's a lot to it, of course, right. with, with all this kind of stuff, but that's just uh, important. So in those things that we've discussed already, getting back to your original question of how am I doing, mentally, I think that receiving these types of information, even though it's a long way off and there's a lot of discussion, at mm -hmm. least it feels like there's a bit of movement forward and we're not just... Yep paralleling. And the other piece of news I sent yesterday was the IATSE Cares group oh, yeah. hired a virologist yeah. to help them determine and define their best safety practices. Yes. Which is good. Again, to Noel McCarthy's point, who was on our roundtable yes. yesterday, it does need to be unified. It still mm -hmm. is a little confusing if every union has a different set of rules. And SAG's monitoring sets and DGA has this set. Of, it would be great to get it all unified. But um, hey, one step at a time. We're one step at a time. It's nice. Yeah. So I'm, I'm feeling. I'm feeling. I'm feeling hopeful. Me too. So Me how too. are you doing, Laura? I'm doing good. I'm. I'm. I'm there as well. I'm there as well. I am working. I am prepping a little remote shoot. That's basically mm -hmm. just recording some Zoom interviews. So that's mm -hmm. just something to keep me busy, and talking to a lot of people about what's to come. And the possibilities. And mm -hmm. Starting to, you know, look like safely things are happening. So it's good. Like I said the other day, you know, I don't remember when it was last week, two weeks ago. I think I went through a phase of waking up, not feeling like we were in a dire emergency. Mm -hmm. And then I got to a place where I woke up and not having the urge to grab my phone and open up the headlines. Right. And look at the news. Mm -hmm. Now... It's even more relaxed, right? Like the day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. it just seems like, okay, here's another day of mm -hmm. doing whatever this weird telecommuting thing is that we're, do <laughs> we're doing. Ag agreed. And the, um, the urge to immediately look at the news is gone, which yeah. uh, feels nice. Feels good. But feels still good. checking in, obviously, because it's th the most important time in our lives for new like news right now and then also too lawrence i know you guys are in phase one um just changed into phase two is that right as of yesterday maybe? well i don't know if you're referring to california or to california. la city LA. la city we mm -hmm. started phase two yes i believe it was may 15th is mm -hmm. when we started phase two and that means toy stores retail curbside mm -hmm. pickup uh flowers shops are mm -hmm. open and some various things here and there so we, we are in beaches? phase two. Trails are open. Beaches are open for mm -hmm. activities. 
not for but you can't lay around can't lay around <laughs> i know which actually Tailgating. caught us i was we were going to do a socially distanced park hangout two separate blankets mm-hmm. six feet apart but you actually can't do that so we we avoided that but i have been to curbside pickup at home depot Oh, okay. Which in New York City was a bit of a, a shit show. But w- driving away at $35, I don't know if anybody out there has ever been to a Home Depot for less than 100 or $200, just like Target, right? Yeah. So the, the endless, you know, walking through the aisles and shopping and stuff is gone. So you're really only going for your immediate things needs. You, yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Saved a lot you know, of money. It's more need-focused and not want-focused. Mm-hmm. And hey, I want to remind you that we are working on editing some of our original shows Yes. before the pandemic happened. We might even play one of this week. Yeah, I think um, Thursday or Friday is on the table for that. Yeah, just so you know that, guys, they're kind of, they're not really reruns. They're first runs, but of episodes pre-COVID. So back to our original concept of the show, which was just talking about how to be a good producer. Yeah, and I do think um, working that into moving forward, because now more than ever, we need to find out and on the quest for what makes a good producer good. Exactly. Even more than ever. Especially now, even more than ever. So that's going to be exciting. Before we get on to the interview, take a moment, go to Take Action. It's our page on our website. As multiple causes that you can help out with, like donating blood or feeding the freelancers, donate your laptop, save the post office. All of these things are important. And I know that Lawrence and I just went through, you know, some positive things in our industry, understanding that we will not be back to work for a little while still. Yes. Yeah. There's still is going to be a, a, yeah, a, 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 a minute process. before we're all back to work, which means even if you're back to work, there's probably... 10, 15 10 people, people don't have a right. job. So there's still people in need. Feed the freelancers, donate blood, do what you can. If you're fortunate enough to be working, help those who aren't. Let's get on with the interview. Originally from Kentucky, Shad Melvin moved to New York City to pursue the dream of working in the film industry. He started as a production assistant, and with years of hard work and determination, he is now a non-union first AD. He spends most of his year on travel jobs throughout the U.S. and internationally. Shad works with crews and directors all around the world and has worked with some of the most respected production companies, agencies, and global brands over the past 10 years. Currently, Shad is working on an international travel show that has been delayed in the middle of this pandemic. So we're going to hear some details about that and more. Let's take a listen. Let's take a listen. Well, first thing we'd like to do is find out how you're doing, how you've been, how is your family? Where are you sheltering? Are you in New York City? Yeah. So uh, I'm in Queens. I'm in Forest Hills, Queens. I've been married a little over a year. And in February, February? no, January, I found out that uh, my wife was pregnant. Wow. Congrats. Oh, boy. I bet she found out, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she did. too. Yeah. So I am sheltering in place. Uh, Carl and I are here. We are fantastic. As far as we can tell, we haven't had any illness. Our immediate family is doing very well and happy and healthy. And to this date, our baby is uh, 
is doing really well. We're, we're five months along. So great. Health, I'm yeah. Nice. So super exciting with that. Let us know what was happening a couple of weeks just before the pandemic. Obviously, you know, you're a first AD. Yeah. You were talking about traveling here and there. What was happening just as you started to realize things were going south? Yeah. So I was on a very long international travel job. It started in Costa Rica and then we were in Vienna. And from mm. when we left Vienna, wow. we got to Italy. And then as soon as we got to Italy, the borders closed Vienna. And that was the first time that we thought, wow, this is actually hitting a little closer to home. Do you remember the timing of that? Was it February? Was it? Maybe early to mid-February by the time we were in Italy. And then Mm. when we left Italy, we went to Switzerland. And by the time we got to Switzerland, Mm. Italy was closing. And we were like, whoa, we are just ahead of this. Unfortunately, my grandmother, who was 90, had passed away. So I had to fly home and, and deal with all that. So they went. Was that to Kentucky? Yeah, back to Kentucky. So then you made it back here in the States in time. Did you finish off in Switzerland and then come home or? So the show went on in Switzerland without me. And then they went to Paris after that. And then I joined them back in London. Again, they were skipping ahead of it for sure. I mean, if you didn't go to Spain, exactly. Completely. And, you know, at the time we were kind of making this joke, like we were just kind of crop dusting everyone as we went from country to country. But then we got back to the States. It was like, this is, this is turning into a really big deal. So when we got back, we were in a Southern state and we were trying to get everything lined up. We, We went on our tech scouts. We knew, we knew that it was inevitable that something was going to happen, that we would get shut down. But we thought, who knows? Maybe we can still get this done. And mm-hmm. day after day after day, as we move through that process, shutting down, permit pulled, LA's pulled, New York's pulled. And then we were like, okay, we got to, we got to pack it up. So shoot got canceled. So everyone got sent home. I stayed behind another three days where we were and, you know, was working with the showrunner, working with other producers and trying to figure out what we were going to do to sort of wrap up what we had done and also how to move forward. And again, at that point, it was pretty early on and everyone thought a couple weeks, a month yeah. at best. We're Postponed. Shape. Yeah, it's just not canceled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everyone left in really good spirits. Our crew ended up uh, after they got back to LA and some from New York, but uh, those who went back to LA, a few of them did come down with the virus and they did get tested and it was wow. positive. Um, but everyone had very mild, minor symptoms yeah. and a few days rest. And we kept a check on them. And I got to say the production company was unbelievable, reaching out to everyone personally, keeping everyone informed and saying, hey, whatever you need to do, we'll make sure everyone gets tested, whatever the case is. Well, we've heard both sides of it. We've heard both sides. We've heard where companies didn't tell anybody and we've heard where companies have been fantastic. And I really do think that it starts, it's a leadership style that starts Mm -hmm. at the top of the company. If I could name them all by name, I would at this moment because they were just so unbelievably great. You know, they yeah. really were. Making <laughs> sure be a day when character. you can. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's so great to have that moment where you can go, you know what? Thank you for that phone call. Thank you for checking in. And they checked in several times. But and then they came back with a, hey, listen, everyone is doing very well. Everyone is safe and healthy again. So, um, you know, if anything changes on your end, please let us know. So that's a very, very long way of getting to that. I spent the next, where are we, two, two and a half months at home. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about crew safety stuff. Because now, you know, you you were on a job, it was kind of tongue in cheek, and you were doing your best just to kind of make the job happen as you do as a first AD, as a film production professional. But then you get home and you recalibrate and you realize, oh, okay, this is serious. 
Are there things that you would have done differently on set had you really realized the intensity of what was coming down the line with this virus? I think so. I think that there's a few things that we probably would have taken a maybe a more of a proactive approach of starting to go ahead and quarantine ourselves. Mm, mm. We were a company that had moved all the way through Europe and everyone was great. Yeah. When we got back to the States, someone picked it up either in Europe or someone picked it up in the States. We were long, we were in the States long enough for it right. to have kicked in. Have been, right. So I think if had we really, really understood the gravity of the situation, there probably mm. would have been more of a, hey guys, when we're in this country, this is the way we're going to have to do this to get through this. No yeah. one, no one leaves the hotel. No one does anything unnecessary. But as it is, you know, when you're on a travel job and you get five minutes of downtime in a place that you haven't been, you run out and try to explore, take a few pictures, or you know, you run to a bar to have a drink and you know, have a moment of just relaxation. And I, I think that we probably could have uh, done a few things, or probably would have done a few things. But you know, the hindsight of that is only twenty twenty, of course. But even at that, you know, it's like the question is, would that have stopped any of us from coming down with symptoms? And and I don't know the answer to that because then everyone jumps on airplanes and exactly, you could have got it on a plane with the recycled air. It could have been any number of things. Right. And also, too, the available information during that time, so especially from our leadership, was pretty limited. And yeah. so we didn't quite know what to do, because I know that I was in Traverse City, Michigan, the last weekend of February at a large convention center. We were just a very small portion of a shoot there. There were 10,000 hunters from all over the world there for the Safari Club. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> and I can tell you that yeah. if this was, if this was at all, if there was any information more than what we had at the time, we would not have gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Moving forward, it sounds like the show is on pause. I have two questions. One would be, have you gotten calls for other work? In the meantime, A and B, or is the show, if you can talk about it, has there been any discussions on how to safely start back up? Yeah. So the first part of that question, have I gotten any other calls? At the moment, no. (laughs) I got to say, I'm always a very optimistic more of an upbeat person. I mean, you've seen yes, like, safety that and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Like I love to try to be the best cheerleader that I can be for the crew and for everyone, because honestly I'm not moving around all the heavy equipment. So, you know, mm-hmm. but the answer is no, um, I'm not. So optimistically, I was hoping that probably at this point I would have started to maybe get a few inquiries. Hasn't happened, but that doesn't dampen my spirits. I feel like there's still, so much information that we need to get, which gets into about moving forward, safety on set and all that, which is with the show, we are currently, and this is something that's been keeping me busy a lot. I have been game planning, schedule planning, making diagrams. I came up with my own set of onset rules and sort of guidelines and regulations and presented it to the show before I even had anything from anyone else. And that's not to say that I was on the, I was the first one to put it out there, which I don't believe that I was. But proactively, we've been doing a lot of that. And we've had several Zoom calls, some of them lasting a few hours, and going over, okay, locations, timelines, when do we ha- need to finish this up so we can package it and have it ready for air? I mean, there's a number of things that's been going on, but there has been a number of documents has been circulated from different states 
and film commissions that uh, we're looking into, as well as adding it to what I had already built in and how we can control the numbers, A, on set versus A, in a production lot or, you know, B, at the hotel. So you, you kind of yeah. have those, those areas. And how can we take a company that was nearly 200 people and scale that down to like a third of that and make that function? And I think that we're coming up with some really good ways of doing that and how we can space people out. And the producers of the show are currently pitching to the states that we're looking into at this point to finish this. And, and they are given a lot of information and saying, hey, look, you know, what you guys are doing looks really good, and really solid. But it's now up to them to get approval of, you know, how to move forward. So I feel very, very confident and I'm very happy and excited to see that that level of work has been happening. Along the way, it's been keeping me very busy. So my mind isn't like just wondering, like twiddling my thumbs, like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. It is so much more of an active way of looking at this and going, okay, what? you know what? There's a reason why Christian and Lawrence and myself, we're in the positions that we're in and why you've already gotten a few calls. And people trust that you're going to come in and go, how can we do this? Take care of our crew. And they're going to trust that you're going to come up with ways and ideas, and you're going to come up with an opportunity to make people feel safe when they come on to set. And I think that that's what you know we've been doing as well. And there's a charge in myself and everyone else that we've been talking to from the show. We get together on these Zoom calls, and you know there's just this camaraderie. It's like, hey, listen, this is uncertain, but we right. can do this, and we can do this safely. Let's go through all these steps. Let's put in the guidelines. Let's put in the safety measures. Now, that doesn't guarantee anybody's safety in terms of you're not going to contract this, but it's taking proactive steps to get to that point. And I I really, that's what we're working on. That's what's keeping me busy and keeping my mind sort of focused. And I'm not really too worried if I would love to get some calls, of course. I'm the type of person that feels like I'm responsible and I'm in the position that I'm in because of that. And I've proven that on set, but I'm also have this superhero complex that I'm not afraid to say where I feel like that if I'm there, I can make a difference. You know what I mean? And I feel like that what I'm in is a service. I am a service industry, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? As a physician. And I feel like that I want to be there for others and help them with that because at the end of the day, we are helping service to shoot and make sure things get done in our scheduling, our planning, all that sort of stuff, but then on set and trying to be that leader in in all those uh, areas. So, right. Well, we're always the first ones to step out into the middle of the road to tell other people to get out of the road because film people always think that they're not going to get hit by a car. (laughs) It's fantastic. We've talked about a lot um, scheduling and how we think that it's going to take a much longer to do things. Yeah. Yeah. Because time um, is a big factor in in what's Mm going to happen as we kind of come back to work and how we're going to make the kind of work we did at the the level of quality that we did. It's just going to take more time. 100% agree. And that's a big part of what I've been working on is are those timelines. All of them right now are hypothetical because what we're doing, we're going to have to adjust and shift. So just like any creative, creative, now we've got to adjust and shift to it. What can we live without? And what, what is it we absolutely need, number one? And then what are the secondary opportunities if we can get it great? And if we can't, then no worries. But what fits in a timeline? And also, what kind of timeline keeps people on set long enough to get the job done, but also gets them offset quickly enough so that they're not on set for 14, 16, 18 hours like we used to do? 
you know, you just add in that time, that fatigue and all that. Which we can't do that. I, and I really truly believe that. I believe that we can still do a 12 hour day. I really do. I believe that we can still work within that parameter. But I think that what's going to happen is how we stagger our crews to come in. Not everyone's on a 12 hour day. Let's say the 12 hour day is the parameter, but then you're going to have to stagger people to come through along with the lunches and, and all these things are in a lot of these guidelines. So not say anything new, but I do believe that we're going to have to take the creative scale it back on those expectations. Let's say, for example, if we would have built in 45 minutes to switch over a lighting setup in one single room, it's now going to be probably an hour to an hour and a half. So by the time that they yeah. wipe down, struck, place is cleaned, wipe down again, reset it, wipe it down, and then you got to go into it. So yes, it is going to slow everything down, but I also feel like that that's not necessarily a bad thing overall in general. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also, let me just say this as a, as a non-union first, a lot of times the jobs that we take on are very, very big and I love doing them, but we are just squeezed and squeezed and squeezed for time over how we stuff. Yeah. Now that's not just non-union. I know it happens in union, but we have no one, no representation. And for me, I chose that. So I'm not going to complain about that, mm-hmm. but I'm handed stuff and like, hey, figure out how to do it. Make it happen. Well, we've been able to do that successfully, I do believe, not just myself, but other non-union ADs and crews and everyone. I mean, you guys are talking to Chris and all these other great people that you've had on the show, Beefy Baby. And, you know, it's like one of those things (laughs) where you – they're all talking about the same thing. These people are fantastic and I love working with them because they, they know how to get a job done. But they also understand the squeezing part that I have to implement onto them and get it done. But now we're going to scale that back and take a more realistic approach at it and go, okay, this isn't a bad thing. Let's go about it the right way so that it doesn't cause arguments of like, this isn't safe. We haven't wiped down. And a big part of that is going to come from the producers relaying to the clients and to the agencies to say, hey, listen, this is where we're realistically at. And with that, I took an OSHA course the other day that is nothing to do with other areas, it is all based on production. And uh, I'm supposed to take the test today. This gentleman by the name of John Cordes, he's a certified HIPAA professional, as well as an authorized outreach safety trainer for OSHA. And so they took us through two and a half hours of procedures and wiping down and masks and what type of mask and how much alcohol, you know, solvent you can use on a surface and, and all those types of things. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I have to say, it was the most encouraging, encouraging two and a half hours I've had during this entire time. Because I felt like by at least getting some sort of certification, now this may not be anything grandiose, but at least having taken the course can help me then come to set and be more professional in this new era that we're embarking in. And it was really great. It gave me a lot of confidence to say, you know what, if, if I did get a call this week, I could go back to set. We can do this. Wow. This isn't above and beyond. There's going to be a lot of safety measures that come down from production companies and come down from clients and agencies and all this sort of stuff. But we're going to have to look at, and even unions, I'm not sure how they're going to meld everything together yet, but that's a whole other conversation. So one thing I do want to ask you, though, as a first AD, you are responsible for crew safety on set. Yes. And I think something that keeps coming up in all the discussions we've been having, Christian and I, with other crew members and other producers is, is the liability involved in that. And you can only control it as a first AD. You can set the parameters, you can set the groundwork, and you can kind of have an eye on what's happening. But one errant crew member 
goes to the bathroom, touches something, brings it back on set. You know, th- there's things out of the control of all of us. And do you have any thoughts in terms of your personal liability as the kind of chief of the set on how to navigate those kind of situations? Oof, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough one because uh, policing everyone through every single aspect of their day is going to be extremely difficult. And I think that there is safety meetings that we're going to go through that are going to change in terms of what we have to add into them. But it's been talked about a lot of having like a health and safety officer on set. And even the OSHA conversation was about that. When it gets to the point of people going to the restroom and that type of thing, that's where me as a first AD, my liability has to step back. And that's where safety... You mean you're not going to help them in the restroom, (laughs) sir? I mean, I've been asked before. (laughs) Well, if I have have an iPad, I can zoom to set, yeah, and just stay in the bathroom. But I think think having someone to help take that load off of what we would normally do is going to have to happen because there's just no way. But what I do really think, let's say someone... They don't like to wash their hands. There are people who don't wash their hands. They don't feel that it does anything. Right? Just like there are people who say of course, the coronavirus yeah. isn't real. Okay. Oh, exactly. yeah, 5G. So, and it's totally fine <laughs> when they come to set. I think there needs to be someone who's like, okay, no matter what, wash your hands or not, you're still going to take a dab of alcohol or hand sanitizer, and you're going to rub those hands together. Then you can step back over a line. What's really interesting is there's an article in the Times that's called Two Projects That Are Filming Again, and here's how they're doing it. They're giving out wristbands, and there are certain color-coded wristbands that allow you in certain areas. And if you don't have a wristband, you do not get beyond those areas. The article doesn't go into how they police that. But as a first AD, it's easier for me to look at that and go, oh, yeah, you're not supposed to be here. So something like that would help from my side of it. Because at the same time, I think about the number of hours that I'm going to add to my days in terms of figuring out how to schedule in art department when they're coming in, deliveries when they're coming in, then when the G&E delivery comes in, then when the G&E team comes in, who's wiped it down. So I do feel like that there's a certain point to where I'm going to be needed on set even more and even more in the planning process, the pre-planning process, to help sort of coordinate and keep people moving and orchestrate that. Someone who is not me to be looking out for health and safety and making sure people are doing that type of stuff is necessary, in my opinion. Over the years, it's become custom to just push everything down to PA. That can't happen. What you're saying is the lowest common denominator is not necessarily the, the important person that you need to protect. They're not worth protecting. But in this scenario, we're talking about someone's actual health. In their life. And life. And I do think that once you put PAs in a position of authority of helping monitor, so let's not say police, we'll say monitor the set, wristbands, who can come and go, that's okay. We do that anyway when we do lockups. Not right now, we're rolling. Yeah, of course. So I think that's okay. Yeah. But Christian, you mentioned something about, you know, even being forgetful and being the first one to step out into a street at six o'clock in the morning and all those things. I love that you brought it up because- What needs to happen is when we do get back to set, people need to also have patience. Mm -hmm. What we've been doing day after day after day after day after day is going to come out just like that because we're back on set. We're so excited. So you need to give a little bit of a leeway and a curve and let people start to understand what the new rules and regulations are before you chastise them and and whatever. It's going to have to have a little bit of ebb and flow till we get that system down. This is all new for everybody. 
Yeah. I think communication beforehand too, like during your prep. And then we have tech scouts maybe a week in advance. We're explaining to everybody and going through, like taking the time, sitting down and going through exactly what the procedures are. So it's not a surprise. on Exactly. Shoot I think that, you know, some sort of documentation should go out too and not like buried in a call sheet, but like everyone on the crew. Right. Exactly. Nobody reads a call sheet. Exactly. Yeah. And, and people show up and they go, well, I didn't know where <laughs> we were supposed to be. Look, and I get it because we are freelance and we go from day to day to day to job to job to job. And it's like, I don't even know. I got three call sheets in my email for the next five days and which one is which. And and I get it. We're all out there pushing and hustling and trying to do what we can do to keep income coming in. But I do think that those guidelines and those communications are going to be key for everybody across the board. And if you have a question about it, if you have a concern about it, then once you've received that information... It is your responsibility as a crew member to then immediately get a hold of production and say, please explain this to me or to say, hey, listen, I don't have my own PPE. So can you please provide something for me? And I think that there's going to have to be that back and forth communication as well. Because I know for me, Mm -hmm. myself and Carla, we've been at home making masks. We've been (laughs) and having a good time and and all that. And it's great because we're making a whole slew of them uh, that we can wear, wash and whatever. There are others that don't do that or can't do that or they didn't do that. And that's okay. But but people need to communicate to production too what their needs are well in advance. You cannot be calling production the day of, the night of, yes. blah, 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 and saying, hey, I need this. Like this needs mm-hmm. to be communicated. You know, it's an interesting part of the conversation though, because, you know, in theory, what we're doing is we're rebuilding the rule book, right? We're kind of starting from scratch and saying, here's a better way for us to get back to work in this new era. Are there things about the industry as a whole that you would like to see maybe shift and and hopefully could shift out of this massive change we're all going through? Uh, Yeah, I think it's happening. Mm -hmm. I kind of touched on it earlier. It's just the slowdown. Just slow down a little bit. Because when we shoot at a rapid pace, we often do not allow ourselves to think about what it is that we need to do to be proactive about it and get it done properly and safely. As much as I feel like that the sets that I've had the privilege to to run, we've done extremely well. There have been instances where things are overlooked because you're moving a million miles a minute, just trying to get something shot. And I don't know, did we really get it? Is it really good? I don't know. You know, and you move on to the next setup and you just, something happens, a C-stand falls or whatever. And I'm not blaming any grip department, but you know, something happens. It could have been anything. It just gets overlooked yeah. because you're just moving yeah. at such a rapid pace and you're just saying, hey, I need this, I need this, I need this, I need this. So I do think that the slowdown in general is going to help and it's going to help people be more thoughtful and more proactive and more understanding. And I think that that just comes from the top down. Um, we talk a lot about, you know, I heard Joel talk a lot about from the client side and all that. And I think that that's true. It needs to be managed in a way where the expectation level is like, hey, listen, we're still going to do amazing stuff. Our timelines are going to grow. We're not going to get as much done in a single day, at least to start. But slowing this down is going to be extremely helpful as we move forward. And I think I would like to see see that. And I think the other thing that's happening, Lawrence, to answer your question with that, is not putting PAs in positions that could be dangerous for them. And I think that that is going to happen Sure, where, yeah, for sure. you know, Something happens, you send somebody out immediately. And I think that we're going to slow down on that and pull that back a little bit and be a little more thoughtful about how we go about our business. I think what's amazing about your answer is that you can take that answer and apply it to just our lives in general. 
Like, we all just need to slow down. The industry, mm-hmm. it runs us ragged. And we're all for it. We all, we all you know, bought into it. We, and we chose know it. that. But it does. It runs us ragged. And we can all slow it down and make sure the stuff we are doing is quality and is good. We are being considerate and kind and making sure everyone's taken care of. I think it's a greater metaphor, I think, for what's happening to the film industry, what needs to happen to the film industry. It reflects what's happening to us right now as people. So I think that was just an interesting thing. I I heard you saying this in kind of a global way. It's all very true. And I think it relates to us as as humans. A hundred percent. And again, I think that we can do so much more, even, even with what's going on. I have such like enthusiasm and high hope for what we can do moving forward. It gets us, we are in a whole new area where we can really recreate this. And I think that's exciting. I think that's an exciting thing. And I think, you know, moving forward, I feel like that's what keeps me just getting up every day and thinking about this and moving forward is that we get an opportunity to now look at this and go, how can we be better? And then when you start seeing ways that you can be better, you're like, I feel fulfilled when that happens. And I see that on set. Like, all right, we're doing our jobs. But you all have asked a lot of people about rates and, a lot of people you've talked to are union mm-hmm. folks. Right. And I mm-hmm. think from a non-union perspective, I, I just wanted to touch on that. The answer is no. We cannot start cutting people's rates. Already as a non-union, no representation. I take on, and everyone in their particular roles takes on the job that is at the highest professional level or we wouldn't be there. It's not like we're getting the scraps on the floor of the work. So we are doing the job that right. every professional mm-hmm. has earned that position to be in. And we've earned those rates, if not higher rates. So in my opinion, we shouldn't be looking at this and going, oh, how do we just start doing this? And, and the first answer would be, well, let's just cut the crew rates. But we still have the same job. Now add in all these new guidelines. And now our job level or our job load has increased. It is not decreasing. So I think that if we were to cut, yeah. then we put ourselves in a really really awkward and negative position. We're not doing ourselves as a film community any justice by dropping that just because maybe a client or agency says, well, how can we navigate this financially since everyone's had a hardship, but how do we kind of keep our clients and keep shoots going? Let's just start with the rates. I think that's the wrong way to go about it. And we all have new responsibilities now. Even if you're not an AD or producer, everybody's got a new responsibility now for their crew their subordinates, their support staff, everybody has a responsibility to everybody else added on top of our current responsibilities Mm -hmm. on set. So we deserve the rates. And it's important to share that message loudly, especially with the people that are coming up in this business, the next generation that's coming up in this business, because they're going to be hit hardest by this because they're still trying to get their footing and they're going to be forced to take some crappy rates. And they need to know it's within their power to to say no and Mm -hmm. take what they deserve yeah agreed and then some of the best advice i ever got from one of my best friends he told me at one point he said chad what are you doing why are you taking lower rates and i was like well you know it's still kind of not too far into my career and i was like i just i want to work as much as Mm -hmm. i can and he said to me he said what are you worth because you need to stand up for yourself the jobs that you're doing you're worth more than that, mm-hmm. or they wouldn't be calling you. So stand up for yourself. And I think that that is mm-hmm. good advice for everyone across the board. We need to stand up for ourselves. And, uh, you know, yes, when, you, when yeah. you're starting out, you're going to take lower rates, or you're going to do this or that, because 
You need to get your foot in the door, pay some dues. If you don't think that you're worth the higher rate, then why would a producer think 100%. that? 100%. Exactly. I think that just comes with a yeah. little bit of confidence of just saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to come in and I'm going to do my job. Exactly. So I am worth this amount of money. Again, mm-hmm. it's just proactive, positive, take a stand, believe in yourself and go for it. Shad, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciated chatting with you. I mean, this was great because it just feels like a completely different perspective on what we've been looking at, meaning, you know, the thought behind everything that goes into your job. I really appreciate you all having me on. Let me talk about it because I think it it is something that, you know, as ADs, we take on a lot of stress and a lot of complications from the job. Not that we're the only ones, don't get me wrong. I'm Mm -hmm. not putting myself anyway, but we do. And we have to take that stuff Mm -hmm. on. And I know union and non-union, and and I know pretty much everyone that works in New York in terms of commercially ADs. And, you know, you see what they go through day in and day out and you go, you know, how can we be better and what can help us? And these are just things that can help us Mm. and help us move forward. Well, here's a parting question before you, before you go. Um, What do you miss? I miss, I miss being on set. I miss being with the crew. I miss showing up in the mornings and, production being like, why are you here at 4 a.m. with us? <laughs> and I say, because this is my job and I'm excited and, and I miss seeing it all come together. And uh, I miss the, what we have on set, which is that camaraderie and just that friendship and just the fun that we can have. And you can joke around with each other, but you're still getting the job done and you're still doing it at a professional level and you're still doing it respectfully. And I, I miss that. And I'm looking forward to being back with everyone where we can have those moments and be like, okay, yes, there are things in the world that we can't control. But in this environment where we are right now, we can. And these are the new guidelines. And let's just get back to being how we were in terms of working within these new guidelines, but how we were socially when we were on set. And I missed that. And I want to get back to that. Me too. Thank Thank you you again. And congratulations on the baby. Yeah. Shad, I mean, it's such a unique perspective because he was in Europe during a job when all of this went down. And also, too, to I mean, it sounds like he was working for a pretty solid ethical company, which is always a bonus for sure. And his perspective is quite refreshing, to be honest, like. He understands what needs to happen, and um, that's OSHA safety course. I'm excited about that. I'm going to take it. I want to see that. I want to take the course. I'm going to take it. I want to share it with everybody. Well, thanks to Shad for uh, chatting with us today. That was awesome. And congratulations on that Bambino. Yeah. This show is edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music, though listening now, hear it now. <laughs> was composed by Kyle Puccia. Thanks for listening, everybody. We are back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, stay active, but keep on doing it, staying at home. And if you do need to leave the house, wear a mask, definitely wash your hands, don't touch your face, and wash that, uh, clean that phone. Gross. Gross. Send us your stories, send us your voice recordings to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how can people get a hold of you if they need you? Two ways, lawrencetlewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. Christian, how about you? Sisterchristianproduces.com. All right, everybody. See you That's tomorrow. It. See you tomorrow.